and welcome back to the Densic 20 podcast series on mindfulness and sustainability. Today, it's going to be our very last podcast episode of this year's Densic team. In the previous four podcasts, we've talked about different topics within the grand field of mindfulness and sustainability. We've talked to different people about how to change your behavior, your consumption, your food, and how to live a mindful life in the connection to mindfulness and sustainability. In this very last episode, we want to come to an end of this year's Danzig 20 journey. We're going to present our survey results and talk about some personal stories from this journey and talk a little bit about how to stick to behavioral change. Our two Danzig survey specialists, John and Mira, are going to present our data to you. However, we want you as a listener to be aware that we are not experts in the field, but are only making assumptions based on our experiences and basic knowledge of looking into the field of mindfulness and sustainability over the last couple of months. We still think this is important as the topic is not given enough attention. Thus, we want to share our knowledge and findings with you. Let's jump into the episode and let Besla and Jesse take it off from here. and welcome to this last episode of the Danzig 20 event. We are sitting here today, myself, Bestla, and Jesse. Hi. Hello, Bestla. Yeah, so we're here today to have a little debrief, right, about what actually happened in the last year and especially in the last couple of weeks of our Danzig 20 journey. Yeah, so a wrap-up of uh, how we ended here. It started all with this article that we found. Yeah, the journey started in April 2019. Yeah, that's a long time ago. And the idea was kind of based on this study stating that individuals that are leading more mindful life using meditation um, as a mindfulness tool kind of become, as a result, more sustainable in their kind of behavior and uh, their lifestyles. It's an article by Turge Eriksen Björn and it's called Mindfulness and Sustainability. Actually, if you haven't already read the article, you can find it in our show notes and give it a read. And it's super crazy because we read this article last year and were so inspired by it and thought, okay, what can we do with the article, basically? How can we turn this into an event? And, I mean, all of this was planned as an event originally and then COVID-19 happened. Yep. <laughs> Miss Corona came and uh, changed everything. I mean, we decided that um, we could have kind of skipped the whole thing, um, but we, I mean, it's such a it's such a cool concept, right? To mm. kind of mix mindfulness and sustainability and talk about it together. Because yeah. I haven't really heard that besides this article. It, it was not fun to skip the whole thing. So we decided to change the format to this kind of online event. Besides the four episodes that we've already made, there was the survey and then we created, created this uh, online community. Like-minded people could kind of share their stories and reflect a little bit. And we also like, yeah, had some motivational content and stuff. Uh, yeah, some input just like on the different pillars. So the educational part, the behavioral change, and then about consumption, food, and as well about meditation. Because I mean, that's the core of the whole study basically that we build it up on. We kind of picked the study a little bit apart with the different pillars in order to make it more tangible for all the participants out there. Mm. We thought about from our perspective, as like we've thought about the whole design of this event to be from the perspective of the individual, right? Mm. So you're thinking about your own life and 
you know, consumerism, mm -hmm. like food and like all the things that you can do with your own life. And we were just really fascinated about this. You know, you can make small kind of changes, mm. you know, in your own life and it can create like a huge impact, right? That's true. Um, but yeah, so we did the survey. It was like two parts. Um, so we, we created this baseline and then when people were kind of more into, they had maybe listened to the episodes and they were more into the topics or the four different aspects of the mindfulness and sustainability topic, they kind of answered it again, right? Maybe we can hear a little bit uh, from Mira and John. Mm -hmm. Our two specialists in the survey. So we can just like quickly jump over and have them give us a little insight on what the survey is actually about. Thank you so much, Vesla and Jesse. I'm Mira. It's kind of weird to be calling in from the US because I joined Danzig while I was living in Copenhagen, but it's still really nice to get to chat with you. And I'm really excited to tell you about more of what we've been working on with our survey. Yeah, best of Jesse. Thank you so much for having us. Um, I'm from Danzig as well. I'm currently north of Copenhagen. And we've been working on the survey for a long time. And hopefully we have some interesting goals for you guys. Yeah, so just to kind of dive in, John and I are going to go over some of the results from the survey that we particularly found the most interesting. And as John said, you know, we've been working on this for a long time now, so it's exciting to see it all come to a conclusion. And when we set out to do this survey, really our goal was to figure out what the results of this event were. Of course, when we imagined the event, we imagined that it would be in person and that there would be a lot more human contact involved with it. But given the circumstances, it's been really interesting seeing how the process has shifted and sort of the ebb and flow of our creation of this survey and of this event. And our goal, as I said, was to figure out what the results of this event were, which ended up being a podcast, and really to see if creating more mindfulness and more room to have awareness and consciousness of our actions led to more sustainable lifestyle choices and if at the end of the day that would create carbon emissions reductions and actually we could see that people were reducing their carbon footprint by being more mindful of their actions. So just to dive into really the reason why John and I have been working on this survey the past couple months and it boils down to wanting to figure out what is the result of this event that we have been working on that became this wonderful podcast series. And our goal was to understand, is there a to reduction that comes from people making more sustainable lifestyle choices as a result of having increased mindfulness? And when we set out to do this, our logic behind it was to have this pre and post survey framework where we'd be able to get a baseline on questions like, are you a mindful person? You know, do you notice things? Are you aware of things in your environment that you hadn't noticed in 24 hours before? And, you know, how much do you consume foods that are high in CO2 emissions like meat and dairy? And, all of these different questions to really understand 
where people are at right now and have this baseline and then to follow up later on with, okay, has there been a change and has that change led to reduced CO2 emissions? And we really came across some difficulties that we weren't anticipating. And yes, it is difficult to get survey responses regardless of circumstances, but we were anticipating all of these surveys being tied to physical events. And what, what was surprising to us for the pre-survey was that even given the circumstances of having a virtual event where we were supposed to have a physical event, we were able to get responses from participants in 15 different countries. So it was really exciting to see that our reach in some ways was magnified due to our circumstances. And that was, that gave us a really awesome boost of motivation and energy and excitement. And unfortunately for our post-survey, we weren't able to get the same traction that we were hoping for. And that did complicate our measurement of CO2 reduction. So it was really cool to see that in some ways our reach did expand, but in other ways it is really difficult to get survey responses given the current pandemic and given the circumstances of the survey distribution. And so John, you know, I know you have been working on a lot of the CO2 calculations. How was how was that logic that we had about creating a baseline and then seeing that habit change changed based on the post-survey results? I think there are a lot of mistakes in it, but in a sense, it was a good idea that we had this baseline and we wanted that to compare with something else. The thing is that whenever we create a survey, it's extremely difficult to get answers. And when we create another one that correlates to the first one, it's going to get exponentially harder, especially in these days where everything has become virtual. And if we look at the numbers, it's funny because our emissions has, has actually gone up in, in the sense that the amount of CO2 that we've used has actually increased. And I think that's what we should take from it. The fact that people have gotten these mindful exercises in, they have been able to take a step back, relax, and reflect on what they've done and what they are eating. So we should take away the fact that maybe our data has become more accurate. Yeah, it's hard to know exactly what could have been if in an ideal world, you know, we had the exact same sample for our pre-survey as our post-survey. And of course, that would have been, you know, the the situation that we were aiming for. But I think that even with what ended up happening and having the different sample sizes for our pre and post survey, we were still able to come up with some really cool insights about the connection between mindfulness and sustainability and bring it back really full circle to what our goal was at the beginning, which was to better understand that connection. So John, what were some of the results from the CO2? I feel like you're the person to really dive in. Yeah. Just as Mira said, we wanted to do something more tangible and one of the ways that we could do that is to kind of like kind of see into the CO2 emissions. And we wanted to measure a change. Therefore, we presented three ways that our participants could reduce their CO2 emissions. They were eating less meat, turning off the water when showering, and recycling more. 
But the thing is that our, in sense, we couldn't really draw any conclusion regarding a decrease or an increase in CO2. And to be honest, I think that it might be because people tend to be a lot leaner about themselves when they're asked about negative things about themselves. Therefore, in another conclusion we kind of draw is that our data has become more accurate. But then again, there are always these biases that we have to look into to see whenever our data has become accurate or not. Like if we take a look at beef, for example, our increase before from the pre-survey to the post-survey has gotten an increase of 20%. And that's a lot. I think that, that the fact that it's gone up is due to the fact that people have become more mindful. Like they've kind of understood that, okay, all these things that we've done aren't actually sustainable. Like we are more unsustainable than we actually thought we were. That it's difficult to create these lasting habits. It's not something that we just can't get into and after 21 days, they're there. Not just a myth, just a Jacob said. It takes time, it takes commitment. And we believe that if we keep going, hopefully they'll eventually tend to have it, but it takes so much commitment. And in a sense, even though that they are these easy things that you just have to kind of like change, we eventually forget them. So even though there are these small changes, it is really hard to change it into a habit. That makes me think about another point that I I found particularly interesting, which was we sort of gave people these really small changes or what we thought of as small changes that participants could make. And I remember Bessla even mentioning that she thought the people that just maybe picked one were more likely to stick with their habit than the participants that had the option of choosing all three habits. But when we looked at the data, it was actually the participants that chose to commit to all three habits. So eating less meat, recycling more, and reducing their water usage that reported being most likely to not only continue the changes that they'd already made, but to be the most open to exploring more possibilities for how they could reduce their carbon footprint. And that really got me thinking that maybe for those people that just chose one habit change, even if it seemed like something that was a simple fix, mentally they were separating out okay, this one change that I'm making is sort of disconnected from how I live the rest of my life. So maybe I'll try and recycle more, but I'm not thinking about sustainable choices in the other areas of my life. And it became almost like a burden that they felt more so than the people that said, okay, I want to change a lot of things about how I live. But then those people that wanted to take on more of a challenge, so to speak, ended up creating a more holistic lifestyle change and really shifting their mindset around what does it mean to live sustainably? How can I really reduce my impact and look at my entire lifestyle and, and make changes from there? When we look at it, when we look at the anecdotes, people actually tend to create more of these habits themselves, actually. Like people took other habits that they wanted to commit to different from the ones that we presented. It could mean that the ways that we presented were maybe actually the wrong ones. Maybe they were too hard. Maybe they were too different that should have been done. And that kind of would make sense. Like eating less meat is kind of like a subconsciousness, right? It's something that we just go in and buy. And that was one of the things that we wanted to change. Like we wanted people to go in, see 
and be more mindful about what they took. But maybe that was something that was too hard. Maybe we should have gone with a different direction. No, I think it's a good point because really at the end of the day, every person, participant in this survey or not makes different lifestyle choices. And part of my view of living more sustainably is not saying people need to change their entire lifestyle to be completely different from what they do, but maybe it's really taking small steps, you know, kind of meeting yourself where you're at and saying, this is my life as it is. And how can I do a couple different things to lessen my footprint? Yeah, that's an interesting point, Mira. And, you know, the funny thing is that when we look at the anecdotes, people took like these new habits up and they were mindful habits. Like people tend to meditate a lot more, like these mindful habits that we wanted to implement in their lives. And I think that's great. That's awesome. But what we hope to get out of it is, of course, that they become more aware. Like, for example, we hope that whenever they go to the supermarket or something else, they know what they eat. Like, whenever the beef or the chicken, which one is more sustainable? What I really hope that these 21 days that we've driven, hopefully that is something that the participants has taken with them. Definitely. In some ways, it really does come full circle to what we set out to accomplish at the very beginning, which was to show if there's a clear correlation between being more mindful and more aware of ourselves leading to being more mindful and more aware of our impact on the environment. And the question John's talking about is one where we asked people if they'd adopted new mindfulness habits throughout this period. And this wasn't something that we directly asked participants to do. But when we read through some of the ones that people cited, you know, people mentioned meditating after becoming more aware of every piece of plastic that they were using, people being more aware of their consumption in terms of food and what their relationship is between food and how that connects to their mindfulness practice, trying to eat without distractions, little kind of habit changes, as John said, that we didn't plan for, but that people were inspired to take on simply because they were curious to become more aware of themselves and their surroundings. So I think really the results that we've found are that it is difficult to create habits, going back to the very first podcast with Jacob and Laust. And it does take more than 21 days and motivation really isn't enough. But I think that it is exciting to see that when people are sort of prompted to think more about their actions and the impact their actions have, they do take on more mindfulness exercises. And there was a positive movement in the right direction that I think we can be proud of. Thank you, Mary and John. That was super nice to have this insight. And I think it's super interesting that people who actually committed to three tasks, that they were much more aware than the people who only committed to one. Maybe we can look back a little bit. You know, from the first episode then where Laust and Jacob, they were educating us about uh, mm. behavior and uh, habit change. And Jacob, he brought on some like really interesting concrete points about how we can actually make habits. And he talked about these kind of, what was it, seven rules? Maybe we can go over these rules a little bit and, yeah. and, and see and just to remind ourselves like how we can kind of create a habit. 
And I think the first one was about wanting something and doing something is definitely not the same, right? Yeah, that's true. I think, like, I looked a little bit into behavioral psychology over the last couple of weeks and I realized that it's a lot about, like, you need to set a clear goal, that you don't just have an idea about something, but that you have a clear idea of what you want, a clear goal in front of your eyes and really focus on that goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there is a difference between wanting something and making that a routine or like holding on to that habit. The second one was about motivation mm -hmm. and that it's a little bit overrated. And that was the whole thing about Sebastian and the tiger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the third one was about being concrete. So kind of having a clear preparation, is that what you mean? That you know what you're looking for, basically. Exactly, and that was, I think, the fourth rule, which was like, make what you want to achieve easy. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you want to be super good at running or something, you make sure that you kind of prepare everything. You have your running shoes ready, you know, if you want to wake up every morning and do it, you know where you're going to run and all yeah. those kind of things. So you kind of prepare those. So it's uh, basically about small changes, I think, and that's what I saw in the online community, that people knew what they were getting into and then prepared themselves uh, all the way through and for example chose different cores which were like small things which they were maybe already doing in their day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. And that was also the fifth rule was about learning the cues mm -hmm. um, and the sixth one was about rewarding, getting getting this immediate reward. I think that's super important and Laos yeah. was also talking about this making it easy and rewarding and fun yeah. and stuff so it's like things that are more likely to kind of stick and something that you would make a routine out of and, and create a habit out of it. And I think the seventh rule was just to kind of like follow the other rules. So yeah. make think in loop, kind of like yeah. our concept of the whole mindfulness and sustainability. What he talked about as well is that you don't really know how long it takes to form a habit. No. And that's what we kind of like with the survey, there was like 21 days. So you never know like how long it's actually going to take. It depends on how big you know, big of a change it is? Is it something that you've thought about before? Or is it something completely new that you're kind of trying to adapt into your life and your routine? Um, I think it's a lot about your context as well and how much preparation time you have. In our context, it was like, okay, this is our event, 21 days to basically get ready and change your habits. So it's a really, really short amount of time, like you already mentioned, as well to kind of adapt to all of these, like, different rules that Jacob and Laust as well mentioned in the first episode is kind of hard. But I think it's as well special to have like this community. So that's why we created this online community to have all our listeners get involved into it. And I actually think it worked out quite well. Like if you look at it, we have some people who made their own soaps, for example, and then chatted about that in the online community, which is pushing it forward. Like, yeah, for example, exactly. I, 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 like, I had a look into that, and I had stuff lying around to make my own coffee scrub, and then I actually went off and made that after I saw this online. So it's a bit of, hey, actually communicating to the people around you, even though they don't have the same mindset, but just getting the word of what you actually want to change within yourself. And getting inspired by the other ones. Like they were yeah. talking about the happy habit builders, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like you need to kind of like create your little tribe, yeah. you know, keep people around you that are thinking similarly. I think a lot of the people on the community started noticing their own behavior mm -hmm. and also others. Yeah. So that's also like motivating um, and inspiring and everything. We have a lot of different stories from the online community. One of our participants, for example, wanted to start meditating. That was something that was super new to that person and they didn't really know how to do it and they went super all in, right? So it was like, I'm gonna meditate every single day for 15 minutes. Expectations are really high. So they just realized that, you know, during the 21 days that they kind of just like, 
they didn't even do it, mm. you know. So maybe, and then also like another one answered, like maybe you can just start with just sitting in silence for one minute per day or decide that you do do it three times a day, yeah. uh, a week or something like that. I think it's about like as well rewarding yourself all the time and like being okay with not reaching maybe the goal that you set yourself just to know that it's a journey that you're on, that it's not like you have to change from one day to the next, but just keep going, don't give up. If you see like after a week, okay, I haven't meditated every day for 15 minutes, but mm -hmm. just keep going for maybe exactly. a year and then in a year's time you might be there. And I think you uh, briefly touched upon it just before that you said that people are more aware. And I actually know from my like community that I talked to about this journey that they said, okay, um, one of their commitments, commitments was I'm going to separate my trash. And this person went out afterwards and every time they were walking through a park or something like that, they started collecting trash. And the person was just so aware and was like, it's so sad how people are just throwing stuff out. And I think that's the first step into that exactly. direction as well. Even if you're not perfect, you can start implementing little things which are even another step in a different direction. And I mean, that is basically at the end of the day what we wanted, right? Mm. When we started this whole journey was to kind of like thinking about it on an individual level mm. changing your mind somehow like at the end of the day you want to just be aware of the things and mm -hmm. from there it can lead to a change of habit or yeah. change of behavior or you kind of motivate others to also do it and then you're yeah. more likely to keep it and maybe even motivate yourself through motivating exactly. others that you're like okay i'm gonna separate the trash with my entire apartment or mm -hmm. something like that or with your family or whatever and like that try to implement it so it's not a one-way road that you can no, go exactly. I think it's like a lot of different options and as well like maybe you say we had a lot of people who actually committed to showering less or stopping the shower within in between yeah and I mean I can so like some people are just like if it's cold outside like I don't really relax if I like have to think of turning the shower off and on which is a very privileged problem and like, mm -hmm. I completely understand that but it's as well like okay will you have a bigger problem turning on the water off and on Will you then take more time in the shower, for example? So it's a lot about like creating a habit which fits for you and not which fits everybody else, I think, as well. Yeah, exactly. So this awareness part is really important. Mm. I think we have kind of established. Yeah. And I mean, sustainability is as well something which is a massive buzzword and which concerns all of us, basically. And the same with mindfulness. I mean, I feel everywhere you go, it's about mindfulness and about yoga and meditate in a lot of places and it's becoming a bigger and bigger topic everywhere so just connecting these two has been a massive part of our journey as well to raising more awareness um, within yourself all right so i mean we've been talking a lot about how to kind of create habits and how to form them but i guess another story with keeping the habits what mm. do you think yeah i mean like it's all about pre-contemplation and the contemplation of, okay, this is what I want to do, this is the goal I want to reach, and it's maybe starting off with ignoring the problem, for example, with climate change. It doesn't really exist, but then again, it does exist and kind of coming to the point that you actually recognize that there is a problem and that you want to change something about it. And then, of course, like all that we've done now, that preparing yourself, experimenting with small changes, collecting different ideas, writing down your goal and stuff like that. But then very importantly is actually getting into the action and starting small, having a little success as well. Like if you think about something that Jacob and Lars were talking about, that you need to reward yourself, flossing your teeth, that you're like, okay, awesome, like you've Good flossed job. one teeth. <laughs> exactly. And that these small things are super important. And then again, having your community that we talked about and then trying to avoid temptation. Okay, every now and then maybe 
you might not be in the mood or something for that, but it's always about the general and thing. And there's always a new day as well. Yeah. It's not just like a scratch and start yeah. over again kind of thing. Yeah. And then as well, like developing like strategies, how you can cope with that and um, yeah. And making, making it easy. Yeah. And I think what's super important to remember is really that small things already matter, that you can make impact with a small thing. Yeah. And also, like, it, you need to be mindful as well. And that means that you can't be judgmental. And yeah. you need to just, yeah, just, you know, take it easy. Like I said before, I mean, there's a new day tomorrow. You can start fresh then. Um, you can actually start also today to make those little changes. Um, Don't wait for anybody to tell you to start No, now. it's not about when the government is going to change this or, you know, they, they, you know, start with yourself. It's about the individual and you as a small little ant in this world can actually create so much impact. Mm. So don't forget about that. And awareness is key. Yeah, and I think to that, we say goodbye from Danzig 20. Skull. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Thank you for coming along on this journey of Danzig 20. We hope you're going to stick to your new habits or that you're inspired to commit to a new habit. A massive thank you to Tubok Fund for its generous financial support as well as the University of Copenhagen's Sunhub Incubator, where we could have our weekly meetings over the last year, as well as Triple M Records for music and sound engineering. If you want to know more about Danzig and keep being involved with the new project of Danzig 21, check out our website on danzig.org. You can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn under Danzig-Danish Social Innovation Club and on Instagram under Danzig underscore Instagram. We hope to see you at our next event in the future. Keep being mindful and goodbye.